let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. There I was in southern Nigeria in a village where there was no church. I'd gotten up that morning to go and preach to the people by faith, believing that God would move. And as I was preaching to the souls that were gathered, I felt the power of God. I felt the anointing of God flowing. I was about to end my sermon and give an altar call when all of a sudden an old man jumped up in the back of the room and interrupted my message. I didn't speak the local language, so I didn't know what the man was saying or what was happening. I tried to get my interpreter to translate, but every time the interpreter would turn around to tell me what was happening, the man would start talking again. The more he talked, the louder he got. The louder he got, the more agitated he became. He was pointing at me and waving his hands at the people, and before I knew what was happening, there was almost a commotion in the building. Other people started talking. Men and women shouted pointing at me, waving their hands. And I confess, I started praying in tongues and looking for the nearest exit. I didn't know what was happening, and I didn't know what to do, so I started to pray. But then, as I was looking for my escape, my interpreter finally turned around and told me what was happening. And when I heard what he said, I breathed a sigh of relief and gave praise to God, because here's what the man was saying. He said, all my life, I've been an idol worshiper. All my life, I've done everything our fathers told us to do to please the gods. I've made sacrifices. I've poured out oblations. I've followed all of our religion. But in all of my life, I've never had one single answer to prayer. If the Jesus that this white man is talking about, if he will hear me, if he's God, if he will answer me, then I want to follow Jesus also. The other people in the room weren't happy with what he was saying, so they was arguing with him. No, no, it's the gods of our village that are right. But the man wouldn't listen. Faith had entered his heart, and by faith, he was being saved. Then he came up to the front of the room and took me by the hand and led me out of that building. We went down a dirt path to his small house, and then he went inside, and under his bed, he pulled out a box full of idols and charms and fetishes and gave it to me. He went on a shelf and brought down a box of chalk and other items used in worship and gave it to me and said, take them away, take them away. And I and the old man went back to the place where the people had gathered. We built a fire and we burned his idols as we stood and sang, there's power in the blood of Jesus. We prayed for that man and his family. They gave their lives to Christ and a church was started in that village that day because God moved in response to faith. As I left the village that day, I was walking on cloud nine. I said to myself, wow, I must be a powerful preacher. And the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and said, son, it wasn't you. I've been preparing that man. I've been preparing his heart. He was simply waiting for someone to come and tell him the good news. 
And I began to think about it. I thought, how many other men are there like this one? How many other millions of men are there in thousands of villages like this where there is no gospel, there is no church, they have no opportunity here? How many others are lost, but God has prepared their heart and they're simply waiting for someone to come by faith and preach the gospel? And on that day, I said, Lord, if you will bless me, if you will use me, I will dedicate my life to preaching here in Africa. That was October 1981. And here I stand 41 years later, faithfully preaching the gospel because God has helped me and God has answered me. For when you can't, God can. When you come to the end of yourself, God takes over. When you're weak, he is strong. His spirit comes in when you trust him and rely upon him by faith. For God responds to faith. When God sees your faith, he says, yes. When you have faith, mountains move, doors open, lives change, the miracles happen, loaves and fishes are multiplied, the seas part. When you have faith, it has an impact. That's the impact of faith. So let's do that this morning. Let's learn what God has to teach us. And let's begin with prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you today trusting in you and you alone. Lord, I acknowledge today that without you, I am nothing. I have no gift, no ability, no talent except what you can do and use through me what you've given. So Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you and pray today that you will move by your power. We come to you in faith, believing that you will do what we ask. We submit to you now. We bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to enlighten our hearts and minds and to give us faith. We thank you in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. I want to invite you to join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, welcome once again. We're going to be looking at how we can give and pray and serve and love and do the things that God has called us to do by faith. For you see, it begins the same way we started. It begins with faith. Faith is our foundation, and faith is our future. Faith is what has brought us to this place, and faith is what will carry us on. Faith has gone through before us to help us with these 15 years, and faith will take us through the next 15 years. Faith has brought us here confident that God is going to do what he said he will do. Confident that God will complete the work that he's begun in us. We're confident today that our best days are still ahead. If you believe it, say amen. So let's discover how we can all experience the impact of faith in our personal lives. And to help us do that, we printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin. And I invite you to take them out now and follow along with me as we discover how faith makes an impact. Our scripture text for today is a story taken from the gospel of St. Mark chapter 5. It's a long story because it's a story of not just one person, but two people who experience the impact of faith. I'm going to begin by reading the opening of the story. And then as we go through 
through the sermon. We'll look at the rest of the story later on. Now receive the word of the Lord. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, Mpacho, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come, bra, and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she'd gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She'd heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Our story begins with a man. His name is Jairus. He's a rich man. He's a powerful man. He's a leader in the synagogue. But he has a desperate need. His daughter is dying. They must have tried the doctor. They must have tried medicine. But still her condition is getting worse. And he says, she's not only sick, she's dying. So he comes to Jesus in his human need. And that brings us to our first truth today. Faith makes an impact because faith turns human need into a divine connection. When Jairus had a human need that he couldn't meet, he came to Jesus. Listen to his words. He says, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. In other words, he'd come to the end of his rope. There was nowhere else to turn. He was in a desperate condition and he needed a divine miracle. But listen to what the Bible says in verse 24. Then it says, so Jesus went with him. And in those five little words, there's hope for every one of us today. Because when you come to God in the point of human need, you can make a divine connection no matter who you are when you come and earnestly seek him he will come and help you he will come and bless you when you come to the end of your rope you come to Jesus your inability is God's opportunity when you can't he can so let your weakness drive you to God's strength See, here's what we need to know today. Every one of us has a need humanly. Every one of us comes to a place where we have trouble in our lives. And we need to allow that trouble to push us closer to Jesus. Sometimes difficulty and trials and tests come so that they will turn our hearts to Jesus. We face heartache because God knows it will make us cry out to him. There are times when the best thing that could happen to you is for you to face difficulty and trouble so you'll come to the end of your rope and fall into the arms of Jesus. That's the lesson we can learn from the powerful true story of an American woman named Christina Baker. Christina Baker's life was miserable right from the beginning. When she was seven years old, her parents got a divorce and it impacted her life terribly. She was emotionally and psychologically distraught over the breakup of her home. She started cutting herself just to numb the pain that she felt inside. But then things got worse. Her mother remarried and her stepfather started abusing her. And life was hell for Christina Baker. There was no way out, nowhere to turn, nowhere to go. When she was 15 years old, her mother and stepfather drove her from the house, and at 15, Christina Baker became homeless. She started using drugs and drinking heavily. She started using cocaine. She got arrested and put in jail for possession of drugs. 
Her life was spiraling out of control and there was no one to help her, no way of escape, no way out. She'd come to the end of her rope, but at the end of her rope, she met Jesus. A pastor introduced her to the gospel, invited her to a Bible study, and when Christina came to the study, she offered her life to Christ. Listen to what she says. I came in one way and left the room a completely different person. My heart was set on fire. I felt free. God was breaking the chains one by one. And Christina was transformed. Today, she ministers on social media with daily prayers. She has one million followers on TikTok and over 60,000 followers on Instagram. Over 800,000 people go to her TikTok page every day to listen to Christina's one-minute prayer videos. She's gotten over 9.7 million likes. Desperation drove her to Jesus, and when her human need made a divine connection, the impact of faith changed her and is changing others. But here's the challenge for all of us. You won't make the divine connection if you don't understand that you have a need. This is the problem for the rich and the powerful. Richness can be a hindrance to your faith because, see, the rich and the powerful tend to rely upon what they have. They tend to rely upon their own ability. They don't see their desperate need for God. If you're rich, you won't feel led to pray, give us this day our daily bread when you have a pantry full of supplies. When you're rich, you you might pray for healing, but if it doesn't work, you'll go to UGMC or fly out to Dubai or Shanghai or anywhere else to get medical attention. That's why Proverbs 18, 11 says, the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. And sometimes when we get so self-confident and so involved in ourselves, we think we can handle it. But the Bible tells us in verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. That's why sometimes the best thing that could happen to you is for you to meet a trial or a difficulty or obstacle. That's why sometimes you need to struggle so that it can turn things around. Let difficulties develop you so that it will drive you into the arms of the divine. What's happening in Ghana right now is painful. We have hyperinflation. In fact, of all the countries in the world, Ghana ranks number 13 for the highest rate of inflation. We have devaluation of our currency. Bloomberg cites the Ghana CD as the second worst performing currency in the world. And things are tough and difficult. But what is happening to us today can turn to good if it will turn us to God. Maybe God's trying to get our attention. Maybe God's trying to wake us up and say, you can't make it on your own. You need to come and seek me in holiness and honesty. For the fact is, we all need Jesus, every single one of us, whether you're rich or poor, black or white, African, American, Asian, male or female, we all need Jesus. We are all human beings who have a limited ability, and we all come to certain places in our lives where we can't make it, we're at the end of the rope, but God is unlimited in his power, and God has all the answers, and we can turn to him and make a divine connection. That's what happened to Jairus in the midst of his need, in the midst of his sorrow. He was rich and powerful, but he came to the the end of himself and he came and made a connection to Jesus and that's what happened to the woman 
with the issue of blood. You see, suddenly in our story, as Jairus makes a divine connection, a new character is introduced. It's a woman who has an issue of blood. And suddenly the Bible tells us that for 12 years she's been losing life. For the Bible says life is in the blood. And when you're losing blood, you're losing life. This was a life issue. And the Bible says she'd gone to many doctors. She tried all the different treatments, but none of them were working. In fact, they made her worse. But as long as she she had money she tried them as long as she had money she went to doctors as long as she had a way to try to help herself she tried to help herself until she came broke and desperate and impoverished and had nowhere else to turn she came and turned to Jesus so Jairus was rich and powerful and the woman was poor and unknown Jairus had an emergency problem the woman had a long-term problem but both of them allowed their need to make a divine connection and here's what you need to understand today you need to harness the power of your problem to connect you to the power of God let your desperation drive you to a divine connection that's what happened to David. Listen to David in Psalm 119.67. He says, before I went through suffering, before I suffered, I went down the wrong path. But now, now that I've suffered, I've come back to you and I obey your word. See, friends, the fact is God's goal in your life is not just to bless you. He wants to bless you, but he also wants to build you because God knows that when your faith is built, you will get the blessing that cannot be removed. When you have a strong faith, you'll have the blessing that will lack nothing. So God's not just here to bless you and answer your prayer. He's here to bless you and to build your faith so that you can get everything he has for you. That's why James one says dear brothers and sisters when troubles of any kind come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy for you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow so let it grow let the trials come let your faith be built for when your faith is built and your endurance is fully developed you will be perfect and complete needing nothing and when you let God work in your life and test your faith through trials and discouragement, when you allow God to work in your faith and build it, you come to the place where your faith will give you a blessing that nothing else will give you. You've got to be determined in your faith. And that brings us to our second truth today. Faith has an impact because faith turns difficulty into determination. And that's what happened with Jairus. He had a human need, so he came and made a divine connection. And then when he made that connection, he suddenly got excited. He started getting determined. And the Bible says Jesus followed him. He went to Jesus and said, come on, Lord, let's go. And I can picture the scene. Can you? Jesus is there, and Jairus grabs him by the hand, and Jairus says, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. He he begins to move right. He begins to move left. He begins to part the crowd. Say, out of my way. I'm coming with Jesus. Out of my way. The Bible says, Jesus followed Jairus. But all of a sudden, as Jairus is pushing through the crowd, showing his determination, he turns around and looks, and Jesus is gone. Jesus has disappeared. And Jairus is like, hey, wait, what happened to Jesus? What happened to my divine connection? And he starts pushing through the crowd the other way. Excuse me, coming through, excuse me, coming through, excuse me. And down the road, he finally finds Jesus. And Jesus is standing there like this. And Jairus said, what is he doing? And everybody said, he's waiting. Hey, waiting? Waiting for what? Well, you see, somebody touched him. 
And he wants to find out who it was. And Jairus is thinking, hey, my daughter is dying. Don't you know I'm in a hurry? You said somebody touched you. Of course somebody touched you. There's a crowd. Why are you waiting? But what had happened was this woman, this woman with the issue of blood, had come and touched Jesus by faith. And instantly she got her healing. And Jesus didn't see her. Jesus didn't know who it was. But he knew that virtue had come out of him. So he stops and said, who touched me? And the crowd is confused. What do you mean? who touched you we're all touching you but Jesus said no somebody touched me and they've been healed and the Bible says the woman was afraid to come forward so Jesus said I'm waiting I'm waiting and we're gonna wait a long time unless somebody comes out and Jairus is getting desperate he's panicking he says come on Jesus we gotta go Jesus said I'm waiting and finally the woman comes forward and she says it was me and she starts to talk to Jesus and I can see Jairus there looking at his clock tapping his foot saying come on lady come on lady come on. but you know what she started talking and she wouldn't stop because the ER version says in verse 32 she told Jesus the whole story tell your neighbor she told him the whole story. oh my God I mean no disrespect but when some ladies tell you the whole story bruh you're going to be waiting for some time can I get an amen and I can see Jairus saying excuse me ma'am excuse me ma'am I've got an emergency bruh can you please book an appointment next week I gotta go let's go let's go let's go but Jairus is disappointed because Jesus stands there and the woman's telling him the whole story. But here's what we need to learn from this interruption. When your miracle is delayed, don't panic. When your miracle is delayed, don't get discouraged. Wait patiently in faith, and the Lord will turn to you. For faith that makes an impact is faith that has determination. That's why Hebrews 6.12 says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises i'll be honest it's hard to wait for your miracle it's hard to wait when you need a breakthrough it's hard to wait for answers to prayer but it's even harder to wait when other people are getting theirs and that's what happened to Jairus. He not only had to wait, but he had to wait for his miracle while she got hers. She was interrupted on the way to his miracle so that she could get her miracle. She's got hers, and he doesn't get his. And when you're waiting like that and others are receiving, you need determination. Maybe you're here today, and you've been praying for a godly husband. You've been a bridesmaid in five weddings in the last three years and there's still no man in your life. It's hard to wait when others are receiving. Maybe you're here today and you've been praying for a child and other people are having babies. Some have had two or three while you wait for the last 10 years. Your, ju your, your junior sister had a baby. Your junior sister. <laughs> and you're still waiting. It's hard to wait when others are receiving. Maybe you've been in a company for five years. You've been praying for promotion. Somebody came in five months ago and they got promoted ahead of you and said, God, what happened? Where are you? What happened? But the fact is there are going to be times when every one of us will have to wait for our miracle. Every one of us will be in situations where we're waiting and others are receiving. In fact, 12 years ago, 
12 years ago, these two people were in different positions. 12 years ago, Jairus and the woman with the issue of the blood had opposite roles. You see, the Bible tells us this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years, and then in verse 42, it tells us that Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. So 12 years ago, Jairus and his wife were at Jericho General Hospital. 12 years ago, Jairus and his wife were delivering a bouncing baby girl. 12 years ago, they were celebrating at Jericho General Hospital. The family had come. They cut the cake. They poured the wine. They wore lace. They were rejoicing and singing. They carried their baby daughter out of Jericho General Hospital, dancing and praising God. And when they did, they passed this woman in the courtyard. She'd come to Jericho General Hospital because she was bleeding. She didn't know what was wrong. So she went to the doctor and they said, you've got a sickness we can't cure. You've got a problem that's going to take your life. You've got an issue of blood, an issue of life. So 12 years ago, Jairus had joy and this woman had weeping. Jairus' wife wore lace, but this woman had a long face. 12 years ago, they're rejoicing, she's crying. They're dancing, but she's dying. One was celebrating life, the other was losing life. 12 years ago, at Jericho General Hospital, they got a baby daughter and she got bad news. They have a disease we can't cure. The doctor said, well, there's somebody over there in Galilee. You could try him. He charges 5000 but it's a risky procedure. And then there's somebody in Tyre. He charges 10000 It's an experimental procedure. It's not worked for anyone, but you could try. And there's somebody there in uh, South Jerusalem. You could try them. And so she did. She ran from Jericho General Hospital for 12 years. She went to Tyre and Sidon. She went to South Jerusalem and North Galilee. She tried every injection, every pill, every herbal supplement. She tried every clinic every doctor every procedure and she got no better in fact she got worse and here she is impoverished broken down nothing nothing at all here they are 12 years later though on the same Jericho road and this time the roles are reversed this desperate woman who was weeping for 12 years now suddenly starts rejoicing and Jairus who was rejoicing 12 years ago is suddenly weeping their roles are reversed and here's the lesson for you today every single one of us has a season in God there's a season and a time for everything in your life and you can't rush the season so do not be envious or jealous of others when they get their breakthrough and you're still waiting don't get discouraged or start to panic or doubt when others get their miracle and you don't there's a season and a time for everything and to have faith you've got to turn difficulty into determination that's why Galatians 6 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, say at just the right time, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Turn your notes over to page two and understand what God is saying. There's a time for your miracle. There's a time for your breakthrough. Sometimes you're getting and others aren't. Sometimes you're not getting and they are. But there's a time and a season. And if you won't give up, if you'll persist in faith, if you'll turn difficulty into determination, your breakthrough is coming. Your harvest is coming. Your blessing is coming. Your miracle is coming. Your prayer is being answered. So here's what you need to pack up and take home with you while you're waiting 
There's nothing Jesus cannot do. For Acts 10 says Jesus is Lord of all. He's Lord over every disease. He's Lord over every demon. He's Lord over every difficulty. He's Lord of all and there's nothing he cannot do. Remember that there is no limit to the number of miracles Jesus can perform. For Matthew 28 says he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. There's not a limited number of miracles. Jesus can do a miracle for every single person on earth every minute of every day of every year for eternity and he won't run out of miracles for there is no end to the miracles Jesus can perform because Hebrews says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever so you don't need to be jealous you don't need to be worried when someone else gets a baby when someone else gets married when someone else gets a promotion when someone else gets a contract be confident because your time is coming your season will come and if you don't give up you you will reap. Somebody shout hallelujah. See, anytime I hear about someone else getting a miracle or breakthrough, I'm happy because it means I'm moving up in the queue. They got theirs, uh, another's coming. They got theirs, another's coming. They got theirs, another. They got theirs. My day is coming. I'm getting closer. If somebody else gets a miracle, it means that God is still moving. It means that God is still working. It means that God is still answering. And every breakthrough for every other church and every other person gives me confidence and builds my faith because my Bible says in Romans 2.11. God shows no favoritism. And if I will continue in faith, if I'll continue to persevere, if I'll continue, my all-knowing, all-powerful God is going to give me my breakthrough. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That's why David said in Psalm 27, I am confident. <laughs> I'm boastful. I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Don't stop seeking Him. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praising. Don't stop having faith. Jairus didn't give up and go home when the woman was telling her whole story. Jairus didn't give up and go home when the woman got her healing. He didn't berate the woman or insult her. He waited patiently. Yet even when you wait, be prepared to wait more. And that's what happened to him. As he waited, things went from bad to worse. As he waited for Jesus, verse 35 says, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. I did everything right. I made the divine connection. I turned difficulty to determination. I've been waiting patiently, and now you come to say, the door is closed. My daughter is dead. Oh, God. His world collapses. He sought Jesus and found him. He was determined for his breakthrough, and now it looks like it's over. But what he didn't know was that Jesus was about to take over and take control. What he didn't know was that something better was coming. A door had closed, but a horizon was opening. What he needed to know was that when you're at the end of your rope, you meet Jesus. 
See, when Jesus heard the report that his daughter was dead, listen to verse 36, this is what happened. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. And all of a sudden, the dynamic changes. All of a sudden, Jesus comes in and begins to dominate. What looked like a disappointment was actually a development. What looked like a rejection was actually redirection. That's the lesson we could learn from gospel Agochukwu from Nigeria. He's an evangelist, a pastor from Oweri, Nigeria. Many years ago, evangelist gospel Agochukwa was getting set to get married. He'd met a young lady. They were madly in love, and they planned the wedding. It was set for April 16th. They booked the venue at the Methodist Cathedral in Oweri, Nigeria. They sent out invitation cards to family and friends. Their passports were at the embassy to get visas for their honeymoon. Hey! The church members had sewn new outfits for the wedding of the century. But six days, six days before the wedding, his fiancée called him on her mother's phone. If your fiancée calls you on your mother, her mother's phone, you're in trouble. She called him on her mother's phone and said, I don't love you anymore. The wedding is off. Hey. The invitations are printed. The wedding venue is set. The sewing of the uniforms is complete. The cake is booked, the flowers. What are you talking? He immediately thought of the shame. He began to panic. He had psychological and emotional trauma. He said, wait, wait, you can't do this. He tried every means to persuade her. He tried everything to get the family involved, but she said no, and the door slammed shut. Can you imagine six days to the wedding, the emotional trauma? Evangelist gospel almost ran mad. How could he ever recover? But God's no was not rejection. It was redirection. And in his hurting and wounded condition, shortly afterwards, he met another young lady. She was also wounded from things that had happened to her. They were two wounded people looking to heal each other. And love began to grow. They got engaged, and this time God said, yes. And God has blessed their marriage. They've been married almost five years, and they have five kids. I know their marriage is blessed, amen? And they're happy, and their ministry is thriving. And no matter what, evangelist gospel Agotuku would not want to go back and have it any other way because a broken relationship is better than a broken home and better to be disappointed and have destiny later than to end up with a disappointed destiny. And in his story, there's a powerful truth for all of us. God's no is not rejection. It's redirection. So when you're waiting... And the answer seems not to be coming. Trust in God. And that brings us to our third truth today. Faith has an impact because faith turns my best effort into Jesus' domination. Look at what happens next in the story. Jesus says, come on, I'm going, let's go. You're following me. See, earlier in the story, Jairus is the one leading. Earlier in the story, Jairus is pushing through the crowd and Jesus is following him. But now there's a switch. Now there's a change. His best effort has failed. 
He's tried everything. He's had faith. He's been determined, but he's ended up empty-handed. And now Jesus says, I'm coming in to take control. And the Bible says, Jesus was the one in the lead. He's moving right. He's moving left. He's pushing through the crowd. Out of my way. I'm going to Jairus' house. Out of my way. I'm going to raise the dead. I'm going to heal the daughter. Out of my way. Every problem, every situation. He's moving right. He's moving left. He's cutting through the crowd. Jesus has taken control. And here's what you need to remember, friend. You are never on your own when Jesus is on the throne. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because when you have Jesus dominate, when Jesus takes over, the devil takes cover. When Jesus dominates, you get deliverance. He can bring water out of the rock. He can multiply the loaves and fish. He can bring manna in the wilderness. He can part the Red Sea. He can raise the dead and heal the sick. He can meet every need. For Colossians says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme. Somebody shout, my God is supreme. He's supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. And I'm here to declare to you today, you've got an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, unlimited, miracle-working God. You've got a Jesus that when he takes control, there's no one who can say no. When God comes through to dominate, there's no power in heaven or on earth or under the earth that can stand before him. Somebody shout, hallelujah. Our breakthrough comes from God. And even though we need determination, we don't have faith in our determination. Biblical faith is not faith in faith. Biblical faith is faith in God. And determination brings us to the place where we lift our hands and say, Jesus, dominate the situation. Psalm 121 says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's the answer. He's the solution. He's the one. For Psalm 20 says, now this I know. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Let Jesus dominate let him lead let him have his way there's something strange you may not know about churches but I've been in church business for 40 something years and I've discovered something surveys have been taken experts have weighed in and about 90% of churches stop growing when they become 10 years old now, that doesn't make sense, logically. After all, after 10 years, you've been well-established in the community. After 10 years, you probably have a building. After 10 years, you have members who are faithful and committed. After 10 years, you've been able to make it through the early stages where you don't know what you're doing. After 10 years, you should be established. So why do churches stop growing after 10 years? Could it be because after 10 years, you start to trust in your own ability? After 10 years, we've made it this far. We're doing good. Let's just keep going. After 10 years, you're confident in your systems, in your sermons, in your style. And you forget that without him, you have nothing. And the danger for all of us, churches at 10 years, Christians at 10 years, for all of us, is that we don't trust our own ability. 
but we continually come to God and trust in him. You've got to let Jesus dominate. And that's the challenge for us as a church today. As we celebrate 15 years, let us never forget it is faith that brought us this far and faith that will take us home. It's faith that has given us the success we have and faith that will double and triple our efforts in future. We thank God for this beautiful building. Thank God for the equipment. Thank God for the chairs. Most of all, thank God for the people sitting in the chairs who make up this church. But make no mistake, we can never rely upon ourselves. It's not our giving and our opportunities and our abilities that will take us forward. It's not me and my leadership or my preaching, but we are relying upon one and one alone. We're relying upon Jesus. God gave us this land before this church was even in existence. And the God who gave us the land before the church began is the God who will give us what we need for our next development. Some people might say, well, at this stage, with the economy in shambles, maybe we should just hold on and just rest on our laurels and accept what we have. But I say, no, let Jesus dominate. Because here's what I see in the next 15 years, in the next 50 years. I see Jesus coming. Here comes Jesus. He's moving right. He's moving left. He's pushing through the crowd. He's overcoming doubt. He's overcoming depression. He's overcoming discouragement. He's overcoming demons and disease and difficulties and darkness. Here comes Jesus. And he's taking us. Come on, Agape. Let's go to the next level. Come on, Agape. Let's go up higher. Come on, Agape. Follow me. Let me dominate and let you see what I will do. Come on, Agape. Follow me. And if we will let Jesus dominate, there is no end to our growth. If we let Jesus dominate, we will build our cathedral. If we let Jesus dominate, we will accomplish our goals. If we let Jesus dominate, our best years are yet to come. Somebody say amen. And the same thing that's true for our church is true for you. I see Jesus coming your way. Here comes Jesus. He's moving right. He's moving left. He's breaking through the crowd. He's saying, come on, Amma. Come on, Kofi. I'm going to take you to your breakthrough. I'm going to take you to your miracle. I'm going to take you to your deliverance. I'm going to take you to your resurrection. Here comes Jesus. He's cutting through the crowd. He's pushing aside the opposition and the doubters and the depression and the discouragement and the setbacks and he's bringing you home to deliverance. Somebody say amen. For that's how our story ends. In verse 38 and 39, the Bible says, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. For you see, the mourners had gathered, the professional mourners who were there just to eat. And they said, she's dead. When you read this, you think, is Jesus lying? The girl was dead. But he says she's sleeping. What happened? But here's the difference. A dead person is someone you can't wake up. A sleeping person is someone you can wake. To the people, she was dead because they had no power to wake her. But to Jesus, there's no one dead. There's nothing dead. Because Jesus has the power to wake her. That's why verse 41 and 42 says, holding her hand, Jesus said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed because nothing's dead to Jesus because he has the power to resurrect it. Your marriage is not dead to Jesus. 
Your dream is not dead to Jesus. Your career is not dead to Jesus. Your finances are not dead to Jesus. Your opportunities are not dead to Jesus. Your womb is not dead to Jesus because Jesus has the power to wake them up. And I speak over your life today. Here comes Jesus. He's cutting through the crowd. He's cutting through the doubt. He's cutting through the darkness. And if you will let him dominate, he will do miracles. For when you let God dominate your circumstances, you will achieve your destiny. That's the impact of faith. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we bow before you today. Our human need brings us to you. Our best effort, our greatest wealth can do nothing except you help us. So we come facing difficulties, but we come with determination. Give us faith today that won't give up. Give us faith to wait even while others receive. And help us in the waiting to surrender to you. Come in, Lord, and take control. Come in and dominate. Come in, Lord, and lead us. We don't want you to follow us. We want to follow you. Come in and take charge. Take control. And show us the impact of faith. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.